Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with over 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Gerard, and my guest today is Lucinda Berry. Dr. Lucinda Berry is a former clinical psychologist and leading researcher in childhood trauma. Now, she spends her days writing full-time where she uses her clinical experience to blur the line between fiction and nonfiction. She enjoys taking her readers on a journey through the dark recesses of the human psyche. Her work has been optioned for film and translated into multiple languages. If Barry isn't chasing after her son, you can find her running through Los Angeles, prepping for her next marathon, which blows my mind. I hate running. Welcome, Lucinda. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. So, so I was just here before we started. I'm so happy to I know we like started officially to, face to face. Totally. So. We started to like have a complete conversation. I was like, wait, wait, we're not recording. <laughs> we're not recording. So um, okay, so this is your latest book, which you know, it's a devour, it's like a one sitting book. I, I'm always like, I start a book at like eight, and I'm like, hundred percent, I'm gonna put this down at like 10:30. And then it's like one and I finished. I'm like, okay, well, I won't feel good tomorrow, but I'm so glad I didn't put it down. So this was fabulous. Tell listeners about under her care. First of all, thank you, thank you. That's like the best compliment ever coming from you because um, she also has some amazing thrillers. Um, but so this one, um, Under Her Care, it takes place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, so that's fun. And basically uh, there's been a murder. Uh, the mayor's wife has been murdered and standing over her body is 14-year-old uh, Mason Hill holding a bloody rock. Uh, so yeah, the thing that's a little bit complicated about Mason, uh, Mason is an autistic boy who's primarily nonverbal. So Casey Walker, who's an autism specialist, is called in to consult on the case. And uh, basically the story becomes, uh, she also, one of the reasons that she's an expert is she also has a daughter um, with autism. And so it really pits uh, those two mothers um against each other and then all sorts of fucked upness ensues <laughs> well, I swear like I, I never see... like I can set my books up and then I'm like and then I don't know what to say because I, know, right? I can't it's... say anything else without well, giving it's... things away that is what we do our job is to you know is to set it up and then basically all fuck upness happens in every book that we write right that's the whole idea oh. um they're kind of it's interesting that you say that about the women because you know I'm of course this is killer women we are here to I mean we love men, it's not a problem, but we're really here to sort of delve into the female psyche and you know what makes it, what drives us as writers, as mothers, as you know, sisters, daughters, um, all that stuff. And actually in the beginning, you know, Casey Walker, who is our, our protagonist and this uh, autism specialist, she actually, she really wants to help. I mean, her, her role is to help Mason, but also in helping Mason, you know, her goal is also to help the mother. And it's just because of the turn of circumstances that, um, that they become pitted against each other, which is, you have to read the book because I'm not going to tell you what that's all about. And it's, um, 
you know, all of your books are like this. It is, they are just the right speed and length. It's like, I start one and I think it's not like if, if I were starting Anna Karenina, you know, it's weeks, but it's like, I am starting a Lucinda Berry book and I am an idiot to start this at 8 p.m. I should just start it at five so I can finish it in one day and go to bed like a normal person. But I, I of course, never do that. But they're just, they're just perfectly paced to, for like a, a, a one long, wonderful evening. So bravo again, brava again. Okay, I got all sidetracked. So, so um, obviously as, you, as your bio says, and you know, you've had a, an incredible experience. You worked at UCLA um, mm -hmm. with real clinical patients and, and situations. So obviously you're drawing for that. You're drawing from that experience. Can you identify the kernel um, that became, you know, under her care? Was there a, was there a, a, a person, a moment of something? So I hate to say this word because it's such a buzzword and like everybody talks about it, not it, but like, um, uh, I'm sort of fascinated with the narcissistic mom. Uh, uh, and it sprung from that and happening to know it, it actually came from like the Miss USA and the whole, that whole beauty scene and the South and all, and all of, and all nice. of that, um, is where, where it started. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I had like, you know, I was a psych, like you said, like I was a psychologist for, you know, 20 plus years. And so, a lot of it, um, all my characters are based on, you know, just different people that I've pulled things from. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were like, like people that knew me with like Casey Walker, they're like, it's her degree. Is that, is that you? And I was like, right. well, I actually did the same fellowship at Children's Hospital. So like there's pieces yeah. of that, that like all the testing that's in the book is, um, you know, there's like, lots of psych testing yeah. in the book um, at different periods. And so like all the psych testing is very realistic because I've yeah. only done you like know. Eight, you know it. in hours of it, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, stuff, uh, I, I, just, I just pull from all of that. And then like the world around me. I mean, all of my stuff really almost always starts from like something that happened. And then I'm like, what if? Right. You know, and then I'm just gone, you know, well, like, I, yeah. Sorry, I, I totally, no, no, go, sorry, no. Finish up. but I was just gonna say like, um, it's interesting to me because actually the thing, one of the things you said that totally, you know, pinged my brain is that the narcissistic mother, when, you know, your experience is, is of course focused on these children, but God, children do not live in any sort of vacuum. They are, you know, surrounded by these and, and it's probably slightly insane, maybe because of trauma, no. like so, raising a kid. Yes. So you bring up a great point and nobody's yeah. ever brought that up before Danielle. That's because you have such a brilliant fucking mind is that <laughs> every kid you see, you see their parent, like their parents or whoever their caregiver is. Cause you don't ever see a kid in isolation for one. Um, you always, you know, have, whether it's their foster parent, their social worker, you're always involved with the caregivers. And those, I mean, those are, I mean, I cannot even tell you. So yeah, all of, all of the parents, um, all of that, um, is there too. Cause you don't, yeah, you don't. And you almost have to work. Isolation and like yeah. some of the hardest people, like I will never forget the first mom that I had to sit in the therapy room for, that uh, with that, like, 
sort of like unapolog not unapolog but yes basically unapologetically had allowed her six and eight year old little girls to be sexually abused by her boyfriend you know and so you get you that you treat those people too like just as <sighs> much as you're with the kids and like being in those minds and I mean um you know learning how to like right like how do you have like how do you work with a patient like, like you know what I mean right. so like all of that stuff all how do you parents. not so, right ring her neck yeah yeah uh. like just across the room and choke them and right. through the wall you know um so and yeah. you're dealing you're really dealing through the parents because the parents are the ones who have the control of these children so and if the parent has a diagnosis, which, I mean, let's be honest, as parents, naturally, things like anxiety, <laughs> there's a lot of diagnoses, you know, I mean, attention deficit disorder. <laughs> Should I start run, raising my right? hand? I know, me too. <laughs> um, I must, you know, I mean, all of those things, you have to manage that first almost, because otherwise you can't even, how do you help a child who's, who's you know, primary caregiver is, isn't competent or capable you know, being there for them. That is, right. I, well, and I mean, that's that one is the, That's one of the reasons that it's heartbreaking to work with children yeah. is because like, there's only so much that you can do for it because they are completely powerless to make changes yeah. in their lives, right? Like an adult, you can see, you know, you can like, hey, get a new job. And like an adult can go and get right. a new job and you can be like, oh, how about you like, don't live in that apartment that makes you super depressed. Like, why don't you maybe right. live somewhere else? But like with kid, like they're stuck. So like, unless you, unless you treat and change the world around them, like it doesn't matter what, you know, you've, so how, yeah. I mean, how do you, how did you do that for 20 years? Um, it's so hard, fucking it, hard. I mean, because so, people need to do it. I'm so glad. It's so hard. Are, it's so hard. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's why I did it for 20 some years and then it was like, it's time to, um you know it's time to go away that's it's you know and we know we call it there's a name for it now we call it secondary traumatic stress you know people yes. that work you know yeah. um in trauma um and in those and you right. know like you just hearing can't live and hear it day in and day out and not you know right you know because you also you're a mom you have yeah yeah have I will say though after my son was born I, all I did was teach for like three right. years because I that interesting how there was okay. no way I was like if I treat if I get into a room and I hear like I mean because just horrific like things done to children I was like I will literally just start sobbing which is right. not what you want your therapist to do ever do right. you know what I mean it's like, right you right. don't want when you're telling your, you don't ever want your therapist right. to be like oh my god but it's a and whole different level I mean, it's a whole different level of you, know, you think, oh, I understand what mothering is because I have a mother or my friends have children, but it opens up a whole, no, my, my dogs are all going to go crazy. Um, it opens up an entire part of our like vulnerability and hearts and oh, it's- It changes it's, it's, everything. And you think, you know, yeah. you think, you know, like I remember saying like everybody, I remember saying that like my life wasn't going to be all that different, right? Like I'm not going to change all that much <laughs> when I have a kid. I did. And I really believed that like yeah. to my soul. Right. Oh, like, I know. And you just, so you don't know, and you don't know the ways that it will change you until after it happens. And like, yeah. yeah. And then, and that's, and we have healthy children, right? We have children who are, you know, they're not learning disabled. Um, they're not physically disabled. I mean, they really, and we have resources, right? I mean, we have people like you that we could access to help us. And, you know, here you have this world of people who, who don't. I, 
Oh, motherhood is. I'm so sorry. Can you hear how loud my fucking dogs are? There's no, I can't even them. hear your dogs. Oh, good. Sorry. I apologize, everyone. No, I don't hear them at all. So. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, well, then never mind. It's just maybe hallucinations, which also happens. <laughs> okay, so so it was just three years. Is your son is how old now? So my son is 13 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's okay, 13. So and it was just three years ago, you were telling me before we started that you actually started writing full time. So I want to hear your story because as far as I'm concerned, you've been out in the world for a million years and I feel like there's a million of your books out in the world. So, but I, I guess maybe that's not exactly true. So tell us, how did you start? You were a, a clinical psychologist, you're working at UCLA. When did you start to write? So I started writing when I was a little kid. I've always written since I was teeny, teeny, tiny, you know, um, itty bitty. I used to like make up stories and have my mom write them down. And, but um, it was never anything. It was just always this thing that I did. And it was never, you know, and I also grew up in like, a, it was a long time ago and I grew up very rural Midwest. And so what, being a writer wasn't like, oh, you're gonna be a writer when you grow up. That was not what was, you know, it just right. wasn't. So, but I always wrote, I mean, I had like poems published in like the local awesome. newspaper. Yeah. Like um, I wrote my first book, um the overnighters when I was like in fourth grade it was like my first hundred page book it was god crazy. amazing Girls where is it now it, yeah. we need so, it so um I gave it to my like fourth grade English teacher and he never gave it back to me oh. um it's super my mom's like convinced she's like it's on the shelf somewhere right exactly um, under a different title right <laughs> oh. uh so yeah so I'd always written and then um but and then you know, life happened or whatever. And I still always journaled. I still always wrote. Um, I specialized. I mean, as soon as my major was um, psychology, um, which was like, what? I mean, I went to school for so dang long. However, you, whatever space you are when you like to I also knew I wanted to do trauma. So I was like specialized since wow. then. And so really like ever since then, um, I always have had a notebook. I'm a real pen to paper. Mm -hmm. I'm just, oh, me I'm too. I have a right tact me. Yeah. tactile. I have a lot. I mean, I've got like yeah. neuro neurodiversity, neurotypical stuff. My own stuff. So anyways, but so I always had a notebook. And so just always like jotting down um, characters, story ideas, mm -hmm. all these just like messed up things that I was hearing and learning about. And some of it was fiction, some of it was nonfiction, you know, but so I was just like always writing. And then um, this thing happened between two twins. Phantom Limb again is based on, uh, you know, a, a relatively started truthfully. So this thing happened um where I don't want to get to but whatever so like yeah. this thing happened where these two twins were like really abused and one of them died right okay and um well it was awful they were like severely abused then they were rescued oh. and then once they were rescued the little one the one of them got meningitis and then died it was like oh. this awful thing and she was treating them and all of that so phantom limbs sprung from that event yeah and I started writing it but and I think what that a fabulous happened. title by the way because phantom Thank limb you. is a thing that we now hear a lot about right where you like yeah, yeah, yeah. a limb and they can still feel it it itches it's painful it. it's really a powerful um you know post-traumatic thing for people so it's a it's a great title for two it was, yeah it was like, it's one of my favorite titles actually it's a great it's i know titles, titles. I, I think titles might be harder than books personally titles okay, are, so, so i agree okay so, you so, anyways, limb. so i write so i'm like i just start writing you know this book uh you know and it's just turning into a book because this time it's more than a story and it's more than yeah. just a, and I'm just going and it's 
and I'm in this whole thing. So like I start graduate school and, um, you know, and I'm just writing it sort of whenever I can. And it's like this escape, which is funny because it's like I'm in psychology and then escaping to this dark right. world. But More psychology. Somehow it's right. like, I don't know. Right. I don't no, know. It's, it's like, different. It's fiction. Right? So, but it's, right. I don't know. So I finish it. And uh, shortly after I moved to Los Angeles and, um, you know, did the whole like finding an agent thing took me yeah. forever to find an agent, you know, um, but yeah. for me, it was fine because it was just um, like, I just really liked the book and like, it was like a hobby with the world. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like, I was yeah, still like, you know, um, really immersed in like right. the psychology world. The yeah. writing was like, right. this is just a really cool, fun story. Cause really ultimately, like, I just love to entertain. Like, I just love to entertain story, I like right. to twist your brain and make you think about things that you've not you know all these things. you do so, that you do that <laughs> very well so I'm like um but anyway so I finally land an agent um Kimberly yeah I was telling you it was Kimberly Witherspoon like James Patterson so I let you know I land a super reputable agent which I'm yeah. so happy about right because you know you're right. in this world any it's writer so hard, knows right. like that's you know so I land this amazing agent and uh you know, and she can't sell Phantom Limb. So this is what I was telling you before. So she can't mm-hmm. sell Phantom Limb. It goes out, comes back, and everybody says the same thing. You know, we can tell. Which is, what are they which saying? Which is, she's too dark. You know, I we love, love her, mm. but she's too dark. She's too dark. She's too dark. And we hear it like a gazillion times. And um, that is, so that, I'm sorry, anyways. I want to, I mean, I feel like we need to talk about that just for a moment, because it's like, she is too dark. I sort of wonder, like, had you, had you been Lucifer Berry, which would have been interesting, um, would, you know, is it because we're women writers? I mean, I get that, I get that, like, wow, how does somebody so sweet looking write such dark stuff? And like Hannah Morrissey, she had this, she said, basically people, that's what they said about her first book. It's too dark. No. I mean, it's like, I don't, there's so much dark stuff. How, you know, has anybody read the dark, there's so many dark authors, you know. I mean, and then like, look what came out. I mean, like, look what's, I mean, like this, yes. I mean, like. Right, it's, there's, and, and you yeah. know, everywhere there's there's dark stuff. It's just, I do wonder if it was, a, mm-hmm. if it's a female thing, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, but it was, yeah. And I'm also like, what is too dark? What, what does that even right. mean? I'm too, like, right. you know, what. Um, you're talking about my head in yeah. there. You're talking about what's going on in my head. Don't be <laughs> casting all your negativity on that. Yeah. Okay, so, so then, yeah, we couldn't sell it, and then it. it just so happened. So then, you know, we just she's like, well, you know, why don't you like write something else, you yeah. know? Um, and at that time, I was just like, yeah, just kind of, you know, because I'm like, I really had just like wrote this like great story that I thought was great, wanted to share with the world. So then it just so happened that one of my friends, Kate Danley, um, and this would have been like 2015 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, she was uh a huge like fantasy author uh indie author and had done like and had done just absolutely amazing was killing it still kills it anyways and she was like have you ever thought of doing it by yourself of like just publishing the book and I was like no (laughs) you know uh all this and that and so anyways I had the whole thing of um you know uh do I do it by myself do I do it by myself should I keep going what should I do whatever and so then I ended up so then I finally ended up doing it myself. Um, yeah. So I did it myself. I learned for, I mean, I just like, yeah, learned, I studied for probably about a year, just like everybody that was doing it and doing it well. And like, how do you do it? How do you, you know, and base, I mean, really how you do, how you 
market a really good self-published book. As you know, as you make it look, it looks, you cannot, you should not be able tell to look at that book and right, tell right, right. that it's like, you should be, you know, indistinguishable. You should look yeah. just like a traditionally published book in any yeah. form or fashion of it. So anyways, that was my little PSA. Yeah, um, so true. So for true. any indie person out there, that's yeah. the first thing is like, you have to have a good product. So um, yes. with the packaging, all that stuff. Anyways, the packaging so yeah, so- and the editing, you can't have errors and you have to have somebody yeah. else do it because you don't find your own errors. It's just the truth right. of the matter. And so, I don't know where to thing, put the commas. Right. You don't. And the thing that, the reason that Phantom Limb um, was, uh, looked the way it did when it, you know, when I did publish it is because the manuscript had been worked over and edited like so many times by my agent and all of their people. So it was a polished, finished, really solid manuscript, you know? So anyways, it went out and then it did really well. So it did really well. It hit, um, uh, got in the top like 100 and just like stayed there for a while. And then people came to me. And so, um, uh that was so I published Phantom Lemon like 2017 and yeah. then 2018 so 2018 I just then signed a two book deal with Thomas and Mercer yep <laughs> as you know them well yes. and um so I signed a two book deal with Thomas and Mercer and then it just so happened at the time that I did that that I was finishing up um a four-year contract um, that I'd had at UCLA. Like the timing with that mm-hmm. um, was really similar. And um, it, yeah. And so I just uh, decided rather than, uh, you know, get on another project at the center, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. And so and that, you was it. that was three years ago. So that one was- book out. And two you books. were, you had signed, you had a two book contract from Thomas Mercer, who's also was my publisher and you, um, you quit your day job. That's like, that's- well, I actually, no, I didn't just have one book out. So Phantom Limb came okay. first. And okay. then before I signed the, so Phantom Limb book, Phantom Limb came first. And then I had two other books in between that set to go that I released two to three months, um, or however many months it was a piece. So I had, oh. um, Saving Noah and Appetite for Innocence both came out. Uh, okay, in smart. Interim, yeah. So I went boom, that's, boom, boom. That's yeah. how you do the, that's how really successful self-published authors are doing this, right? Because mm-hmm. the thing is with one book, it's not enough to really get the momentum going, but if you, so smart. Well, and it's all about, I mean, if, if you're going to be a self-published author and you're going to be on Amazon um, and that's going to be your predominant platform, mm-hmm. um, then you direct like, everything to Amazon. Do you know what I mean? And through Amazon. And so if you have, you know, and directly, you know, to your next book afterwards, like then Amazon starts to work for you. So like, if you work with them, they, you know, the algorithm can be the algorithm will. And I've always, you know, like I've just always tucked myself in there and I've always modeled myself after what um the indies do because I'm with Thomas and Mercer and they're a predominant you know yeah um, yeah Amazon, you know, publisher, Amazon so um so it works it's awesome okay so then your first <laughs> that was like just... the longest answer on the planet no that's good that's I wanted to know the history and I, I think people are really interested I, I think it is also interesting to I mean the, the thing I hear over and over again and the thing we know we know as uh you know authors of multiple books is that you you know you had when you said, oh, I think this is the only story I want to tell, 
then you definitely weren't like ready to be a, a full-time author, right? You were like, but then all clearly in between that moment and and for sure now and even 2017, you were like, no, I think I'm going to give this writing thing another go. Uh, you have well, to. Well, it wasn't writing. so much that I didn't want to be like I wanted. It was just I to like let to have that be who I was and yeah. let go of. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. just I don't know. It was like, and I was just saying to you, like I still feel like weird even calling myself a writer I'm always like I'm a psychologist but I write now you know because it feels I, know. I don't know that it feels imposter very... syndrome it's just I don't it, even know like it doesn't matter it's I mean I'm 16 books in I still feel like an imposter and I've been away. published every which way I pub I've done my own I've self-published I was published by Penguin Putnam I've been published by Thomas and Mercer I just put out a book by myself again it's like it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny. Right. I, I was at Thriller Fest recently and we missed you. You have to come next year because it is really fun. Um, and I was talking to um, Greg Hurwitz, who's like a big deal, right? He's massive. Yeah. And I, you know, and he was like, nice to meet you. I've heard your name. What, what's your latest project? And immediately I went, right? Because my, like, or he said, who, I said, I just put out a novella, The X, which is a prequel to a series I have. And he's right. like, who's your publisher? That's what he said. And I was like, and there I am. I'm just like, I did this one by myself. And he was great. He was like, right. awesome, good for you. But I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I want to have, I want to be able to say, you know, um, I don't know, the big guys, they published a million copies. It's just such a, it's a game. Like it's, we have to, and this is more, is it more female or is that my imagination? Are we harder on ourselves? I mean, Right? Generally speaking, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes. Um, no, but I mean, that's good to know that after 16 books, you're still I mean, like, you know. Is it, is it good to know, Lucinda, or I mean, is it really sad? <laughs> or maybe you, you just need help. <laughs> maybe we'll, have a well, the good news is it's not just me. I've spoken to others, but it's not, I mean, it's not that encouraging. But let's, okay, let's go back now and talk okay. about... Um, you know, we, cause one of the things about the under her care that we were talking about is the sort of um, the mom and the parenting and how that changes us. So, you know, what does being um, a mom, like what, especially for somebody who writes all of your books feature a traumatized child, that's like, mm -hmm. you know, that's your, that's your history. That's your research. <laughs> that's your knowledge. Yay! Yay! Trauma <laughs> traumatized oh, children. But it's right, Go right. see Dr. Barry. Um, but, <laughs> but actually, so, you know, how does, how did being a mom change that, you know, and how did it, how do you feel like it, it sort of deepens your books? Cause I think it does. I think, it, I think it must. It absolutely did. The first thing that happened though, when I became a mom is I wanted to go to every parent that I'd ever worked with as a therapist and apologize that I ever <laughs> thought it was that easy. Um, so true. first of all, I wanted to, like, I wanted to like send out a blanket email of like, I am so sorry yes. that I thought I knew it all. Um, so that was like the first thing, but, um, I could, well, for, I didn't practice for the first, um, three or four years of his life. I just taught because I didn't, uh, I just was, you know, I just was too open, yeah. but I will say that it also, um, as far as writing goes, it also did because having, I'm a pretty guarded person just like in general um not guard like I'll talk to anyone I'm a people person I'll talk I'm a talker I'll go going but really letting mm -hmm. you know people the stuff I, yeah yeah you know I mean? and he like um you know like he just cracked himself in there right he just like cracked open these parts of me 
um, that I didn't even know that I had. Right. And so it did, um, you know, it, it did influence, um, my writing in a lot of ways, you know, a perfect child, um, is like, I wrote that short when he was pretty young, um, you know, started pulling out, you know, notes that I kept on, um, sociopathic kids over the years. Um, but Hannah, Hannah's character in that, um, if anyone, uh, some I'm, you know, no, you have, that's a, that's a fabulous book. Everyone has to go back and read that. There's actually, Um, (laughs) there's quite a few fabulous ones, but I I remember a perfect child very clearly. Yeah. So Hannah's the mother, right? So she's the mother. So her, a lot of her experience in that and her darkness in that Mm -hmm. comes from periods of my postpartum because I had a really colicky, I like my kid, like did not stop screen crying for many months and um the sleep deprivation and all of those things and um so much of her experience comes from me in those moments realizing like I know exactly how people get because you can you know you can see where those lines are or maybe that's just me (laughs) right but like you know, and so her, you know, her character was born out of that period of time, yeah. sort of like in my own life and all of the mothers around me, right? Those first two years, you mm-hmm. know them, right? Because yeah. it's such a, just the hormones alone, right? Like I used to, you know, it's like you become a mom and it's like the hormone surge. It's like, it's like, it felt like somebody like took my brain out of my head, right? And then like just shook it around like a snow right. globe and like plopped it back in, you know, and right. like- it's you such know. a disadvantage to be, I mean, may, I mean, I don't think, I don't, I don't think adoptive mothers do are that much better. Like, I don't know that it's just the pregnancy hormones. There's something about that kid that loosens every insecurity you ever had your entire yeah. life. Right. Yeah. It just, just, Shit, yeah. Just I mean, it just spreads it around just like everything confetti. in your heart. Like, I mean, just all of it. Yeah. yeah. So it can't not affect, you know, what comes out on the page in some way, right. you know? Yeah, and, and it definitely did. I mean, it definitely opened opened me. Uh, and you talk about way. that, like that particular darkness of that period, because now my kids are, you know, twenty and twenty two, and I'm so far removed. But you know, I it's trauma. It's it's little t trauma, but it's trauma. And I can go back there and remember those days. But most days, I don't think about how hard that was, how isolating, how lonely. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I think for, and also I think for women who are out there having babies right now, and particularly pandemic, can you imagine having Oof. had a, no, no. or a, or a pre, you know, a, like a, having a bunch of kids that you had at homeschool as well as an infant. Anyway, I think yeah. these women, for them, it's a gift to read about somebody who's struggling because it's like, you are, it normalizes it. You are not alone. I mean, not everyone's going to have a you know, um, a sociopath child, thankfully, but even just <laughs> right. the emotions of Hannah, you know, just the sort of the normal maternal shit is so At the comforting. sleep deprivation. I mean, this, if you have the sleep, I mean, sleep deprivation is real. I mean, there's a reason that they use it as a form of psychological torture, torture in, you know, with criminals because it's, tor- you know, so yeah, it's like so all true. those period, you know, I just like, I just, you know, those years are very unique. Um, 
Yeah. And they're all, they're all, I mean, God, my kid's a teenager now. And I'm like, this period is, so, I know, you know, so everything's like, this yeah, is- <laughs> yeah. So. you're like, it was so easy when they were little, little child, little problems, big child, big problems, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But I'm not, you know, the I don't know. I couldn't, the sleep deprivation is real. And I'm a, I, you know, you don't realize, I mean, a lot, you know, I always thought, well, and I'm a sleeper. I love sleep, but I never thought I, I never thought I needed it. Uh, as much of it, quite as much as I did. But I also realized, is, I realized like for my emotional process, sleep is how I process. So like when things are really overwhelming for me, I'll sob and then I'll go to sleep. And it's like, uh-huh. a, it's like my defense mechanism. It's like when I can kind of, I just, you know, cause I, I want to be alone. I want to curl in. And so, so I think that, and then to take that away from me when at the time when probably, you know, I need it the most was, was, you know, and I don't think I'm alone. I think for a lot of people that, that quiet, um, you know, is peaceful and, and brings us down. And yeah, you don't get enough of that. And it's not just the infancy, you know, you, it's, it's, it's what now, I mean, two years ago, it was them coming home They're You know, they're going to be home by their curfew and you can't go to sleep until they're home. And yeah, it girlfriend it just doesn't never, end. It doesn't ever, end. Ever end. <laughs> it doesn't end. I don't There's know. Okay, There's so tell, no tell us about your process. So um you have a kernel that stems off, you know, and, and it sounds like you mentioned that you pulled sort of um some story out from some notes you had from before, like you said, you're a big note taker. So do you have kind of a little, is there like a secret? Just I folder? always have a notebook in my life, or <laughs> multiple notebooks in my life. Um, always. So I'm jotting things down. Um and then, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a plotter. Um, I've tried and it yeah. feels, um, like I hate writing synopsis even because I'm like, I would rather write a book than write. I have that said that. I hate I have said trying, that. like, cause so much, um, I don't know what's going to happen when I start and, um, you know, and I have like little ideas and stuff, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, my, it happens differently, um, for each book, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's an idea. Sometimes it's a character. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's like a really like secrets of us actually started out from this news article that I read mm-hmm. on this, like super fucked up disorder that I'd never heard of before, which yeah. I love. I love yeah. when I find, I'm like, I've never right. heard of that. Right. Um, so that, I mean, and then that a book, you know what I mean? Like I just right. like, and best of friends had to start from some scenario about, you know, the sort of these, so, I mean, that the three, the three friends and their parents and God, I mean, yeah, I can, I mean, I can see how your world spins. And I, I agree with you hundred percent on the, and the, on the pantsing. And I'm going to ex- tell you why I think this is true for those of us who can't plot is that I think for us, the magic of writing is in discovering as we write, what's going to happen. And if you already knew, then it's not. Yeah. It just, know? it feels, it feels so different. It feels like I'm writing and I don't like to feel like I'm writing, if that makes right. sense. And yeah. I don't know if it's because I have such an academic background right because mm-hmm. like that you've done so yeah, much I mean, writing it just like it always it's like I feel like I'm writing instead of and I don't like feeling like I have to get you know it just yeah it's it um it really really actually stunts my process it's like you're when more I try like, to plot it actually you're more exploring it up. when you're in yeah. the book it's like you're kind of exploring what what, what are these people going to do where are they going to take me Rather yeah, than... like for example, so like in Secrets of yes. Art, not Secrets of Us, this is under her care. I'm like, this book, what book did I just, but so 
when I started this one, the character in here, Savannah, didn't even exist. Like she just happened. Yeah. yeah. She just happened organically as I went along. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Mason's which sister. Super, which was, yeah. Yeah. And she's like one of the, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, she, you know, and that never would have happened if I was like. Right. You know, so then you then go, I, yeah, it just, yeah. You're going back then because you're, you get to a certain point and you realize, wow, I'm, I'm going to introduce this character who is, you know, the other child of uh, this mom and, you know, Mason's sister. And so then you went back and kind of, you know, well, is because really the thing is, if you don't plot, then you're always sort of writing in that circular motion, right? I mean, you're always yeah. going to kind of go and back. It just, yeah. And it, it just, you know, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't too tough Mm-mm. to do um, in this instance. It was, you know, it was like pretty easy, but yeah, I, I, I think that that's a good description is I, I like, it is a much more circular, uh, circular process. Yeah. Cause you have to like kind of go back and I, linear, yeah, right? I this yeah. Thing. right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it changed um, it. It changed. Like as soon as that, as soon as she was introduced and I had an idea for her, cause when she was introduced, I knew where I wanted to go with her. That mm-hmm, was how she mm-hmm. came to me. And I was like, yeah. So then it just, you know, again, like then it sort of changed everybody too, you know, and everyone's, you know, so, um, and that's what I like, like, that's my favorite, like, I love that, like, I, that's the, I think you summed it up perfectly, like, that's the fun part, like, that's the fun part, and so, like, yeah, plotting on, like, it's just so hard although you know do you find that some like so when you since you're not plotting right you don't really necessarily know where you're gonna go um you know are you think so what I got a couple questions is like this is how my brain was like I got five questions I'm gonna wrap them into one the first one is you know when how do you realize when you've gotten to the wrong like when you're going down the wrong corner and or down the wrong road and you need to sort of back up and on top of that I guess the question is are you carrying these characters around all the time, everywhere you go, in the back of your mind, sort of working through what's going to happen with them, and you know, and how do you manage that? Um, Those my five questions in one. <laughs> uh, well, carrying them around that one's easy. I don't carry them around all the time. Um, like I, one of the reasons that I run is because I clear my head of all writing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. Um, uh, you know, I it, it's sort of like a meditative thing for me. Yeah. Um, I am like a huge, um, I'm sort of weird. Like I like manual labor. I know that's bizarre, but like, I really, I'm from Minnesota. Like I'm mm-hmm. from a very small town in Minnesota. Like I just grew up working and I grew up yeah. doing manual labor. And so a lot of times what I will do is like, if I'm struggling with like a plot point or something, right. Or I've written myself into a corner and I'm like, uh, you know, or like, where am I going? I just like put it down. And then I just like go OCD, clean my kitchen. Like, right. I mean, cupboards or like I, I go am- outside and I'm like, I'm gonna chop down this whole tree right now. Right. Um, and that I, I sort of work it, I sort of like work it out of me, but not mentally. I don't know if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, you're not it's thinking like, about it. Know. You're not thinking about it necessarily, but it's happening back there, which is like, I, I was sort of wondering about the, the running. I have a thing about running. My, my, my running quote is, I only run if I'm being chased. 100%. <laughs> I hate to run. I hate it so much. I wish I loved it because I see, and you're built like a runner. I'm not built like a runner. I feel like I see these people running. And I think that looks like so magical that you can just keep doing that beyond like the first hundred feet. 
when I'm like, wait, are we done yet? It seems like we should be done. Um, but I, I know what you mean. Cause I actually, I, I have been, I like, I'll build a bookshelf. I mean, like, you know, put something together or, you know, I'll, um, at one time I, we got a set of, of silver, which I've never used in my entire marriage, but every once in a while I take it out and polish it. Right. Super dumb. But the whole idea is that it's just, you're doing something that is physical, that it that occupies your brain. Folding laundry works too, which is super bummer, right. but it does it. And that, and that I think that is when a solution can come. Right. Yeah. 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 So do you I feel like, that's... do you ever, so I have a, my problem is that I keep, sometimes I keep working I'm like, I know there's a, I know I'm not going the right way, but I'm like, I can move this boulder. I can yeah. just move it. So, you know, how does that work for you? Like, you're like, something about this isn't right. How, how soon do you sort of, be, you know, realize, wait. Well, if I'm really attached to it, I really try to push it. Like if I'm really attached, I'm like, yeah. you know. Um, Sisyphus? Yeah, I'm like, I can, I can, I can figure out a way. Um, a lot of times what happens to me though, more often than anything though, is like, it's, um, it's after I send like the first draft away, right. For the big developmental edit. And then I get it back. And then I, mm -hmm. and they're like, and I realize like, it's usually that read where I'm right. like, what the oh, hell did right. I just do there? Like, what was I thinking? Like that makes no sense. Right. Know? So you have some, um, so it takes an outside reader, which I think is, yes. I think that's true for me too. I think it's, yeah. it takes an, and that's really, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I feel like I really want to be, I mean, we're, we're plenty of books in. They feel like at some point, aren't I going to get smart enough to be like, why do I want to write 160,000 words for one 90,000 word book when I could just do it right <laughs> the first time? Why is that? When am I going to learn? I want to know. That's my question. I mean, but right, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And I, I don't know what, I sometimes don't know though if I got stopped in the middle of my messy first draft, if I still wouldn't mess it up a whole new way. Like if, I, if you have to put, you, know, you have to do that draft your own messy wrong way first. Does I think you do. I really think yeah. you do. I mean, Good. I really, really do. I really think I feel you better do. about that. Um, I do. I mean, that's the same thing that I tell anybody that's like, it's just, you know, it's, I mean, you just, you know what I mean? I think we just yeah. get our first drafts out. Right. And yeah. then we work with the words, the know? shitty first draft. Yeah. It's like yeah. write the shitty first draft and go from there. But yeah, I mean, there's a, or my favorite thing to do is like introduce a pet and then it's like, then the pet's <laughs> gone, like four chapters in, you know what I mean? Like the dog's there. And then like, suddenly the dog, you, you know, forgot. That was Can one of my editors was like, um, she had a dog in like chapter <laughs> two. Dog. I was like, Oh, you killed, you, killed, you inadvertently killed Oops. that poor dog. Oh That's my God. Oh, that she did have a pet. Never mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's just, and your books are standalones. Have you done My books series? are all standalones. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now, don't they usually say to you, I mean, I feel like every, every publisher always says, with every book I've ever written, Exhume was a standalone, Whiteout was a standalone. And they're like, okay, we're in a series. And I'm like, that's not how I did it. So how, how are you, what happens? How are you avoiding that? You just, you kill the main characters and it's impossible. <laughs> I don't know. No. Yeah. I mean, like I, well, all the other part is that every single one of my books, I could do some sort of a series mm -hmm. off of if I sure, wanted to. Sure. Um, most of yes. them end in a way that I could. Um, there's also scenarios in each of them that I could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I think like a year, maybe this, not this round, but the last round when we were pitching ideas, we talked about, um, a series. 
Yeah. Um, and the whole Thomas and Mercer team was like, nah, we don't think so. Like, let's just keep rolling. Because people love your standalones. Uh, actually, the, the scenarios. Can, and so I'm like, yeah, your scenarios are so specific and unusual that I think you're not writing about, I mean, you could a hundred percent have a, you know, trauma psychologist who, who handles cases with the, you know, the LAPD or whoever, right? I mean, that would be, and that would actually be a really interesting series. I would love to read that, but right. you know, given your success where you are and the ability to create a whole new world each time, you know, there's sort of magic in that and you know, why mess with success, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, let's just, you know, if, Let's just keep rolling. Let's go with what works and keep rolling. So how many <laughs> Does books? Does it get hard to write in the same, like what's the num- the biggest number of books you have in a series? Cause I know you have a couple. So uh, the first series I ever wrote, the rookie club is five books, but okay. it's not really a series. It was a cheater series. It's a we call a rookie club because it's a wi- group of women in the San Francisco um, police department before there were a lot of women. So it was mm. like a group of women who bonded together. And then each book features one of them. Books one and five feature sex crimes inspector, um, Jamie Vale. So there's a little bit of that. The first, the real series that I wrote was ex- the um, X series, um, okay. Dr. Annabelle Schwartzman, who's a medical examiner. And that was, that was four books. And okay. she was introduced, actually, Annabelle appeared in the last Rookie Club book. That's where she was born. Uh... So it's kind of a spin-off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. then you did a spin-off. Okay. And Isn't that's hard, fun. like when you got to like, book like three or four is it is it hard does it get hard to like well like it, people you know, have like seven eight nine I'm like wow like seven eight nine I talked to Catherine Coulter this week she's on 20 number 26 of her FBI thriller series I'm like how wow. do you, I don't even know how you keep that stuff in your head you know um I find the way it works for me is because there's a big arc Annabelle Schwartzman is le- has left a very abusive marriage and her ex-husband is the, the the series arc is him right okay the series arc oh, is, is him so is you know him. he's okay mm-hmm, he's around for four books spoiler alert in the oh. book expire <laughs> he's no longer around I mean he is but not not after that ends so that was that made it easier and I do think for me that was I am you know I I'm a little maybe I'm antsy right I like a new world so I think yeah. if I didn't have if I didn't have to go back and, you know, really take care of Spencer, I, I don't know that I would have wanted to, to keep writing that series. And I love, I love reading series. I mean, I really do. Um, but it's a different beast. It, there's something lovely right. about going back to a character, you know, right. Cause it's kind right. of familiar and you, you don't forget about her dog. Cause you know, she has the dog and <laughs> those kinds of things, but it's right. also so fun to create a new world. So, so speaking of new worlds, what number yes. of book is this? I got to keep track. I'm, I know I've read at least a few of them, but I, how many? Six? <laughs> six. Yeah. I, have I love when you're like, like, I'm wait. not really sure. Let me. Yeah. Count. Yeah. Yeah. Six. Yeah. And then That's I have my great. next one. Is yes. Talk to us about that. That's what's next. Yeah. My next one is January. And then, yeah, I'm currently, you know, waiting to see what I'm going to do next for end of 2023, so 2024. So all that stuff going on. Yeah. So I've been, well, I've been on like a nine, 10 month schedule for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I crank those bad boys. You do. Okay. Wait, tell us, tell us, give us the title and a little, uh, tell us a little bit about that before the everything gets fucked up. Cause we know that. Oh, so the, the, uh, so my next one, so my next one is off the deep end and I'm sort of obsessed with messed up moms these days. Right. So like, (laughs) um, under her care is, really yeah. looks at some 
interesting mom dynamics and yes. off the deep end is the same, uh, is the same way. Um, but, uh, so off the deep end, uh, a mom is driving her two boys or her boy, her son, um, is in the back seat, um, with this other boy, Isaac, they're going around the lake, a deer jumps out, they swerve to mm. miss the deer into the lake. They go, they mm. plunge into the icy lake. Um, she only has time to grab one kid. She thinks she's grabbing her kid. She mm -hmm. swims to the surface and she's grabbed the other boy and her boy mm -hmm. drowns. Um, and she loses it's her already mind. so awesome. <laughs> so it's she grabs everything you, know. you it's traumatic and exciting. Okay, so sorry. So then she comes. Yeah, so she grabs, you know, I mean, can you, I mean, what a, I can't even. So no. into the lake she goes, she grabs another boy instead of her own. And then basically just like, it, it's whole like can you go how insane can you go from grief basically right? right um from that angle and so the story then itself that's sort of like the prologue and then the story itself takes place 10 months later when Isaac um this boy that she rescued instead of her own son has gone missing and she's one of the primary suspects in that investigation mm -hmm. given her complicated relationship with him that only right. gets more complicated as mm -hmm. um the story goes on and so mm -hmm. yeah and so then that one is told from the perspective um of the mom that went into the lake and then the mom whose boy she saved and is now missing so uh -huh. yes I do Trigger love warnings multiple... all over that book too yeah by the way, I love the things. multiple moms I, I think I'm I like obsessed just... lately with messed up moms well, I'm not I mean isn't it true that like, I mean, think about it, we are, we're, first of all, I think moms are the heart, we're so hard on, on ourselves, but we're also kind of brutal to each other, right? Oh. I mean, you watch the like, the moms, like the moms who are like, um, you can only be a stay at home mom versus the moms who are like, you can only be a working mom. Like you bring those women together and no war in the history of the world can compete with well, No, that. I always say like women could like, women, we could rule the entire world if we could just be nice to each other. It's so yeah, that's so what that is, PSA. I'm full of PSAs. I know, right? I love it. No, yeah, we needed more of those. Um, but I, I, you know, that's really true. And I, I can't quite identify. Well, I know why. I mean, obviously, this is the most personal thing. And if you feel like you're, you know, someone's attacking you, you're a bad mother. And for some reason, we can't get our arms around the fact that there's a million good ways. There's a million ways to be a fine mother. You know, right. I don't. There's no proof. Or that you can hold those two opposed, seemingly contradictory ideas can be true. You can be a good mom and a bad mom at the same time, and there's space for them both. I mean, not like bad mom, like no, 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 not like the moms that were at your, no, no, not like the moms that were in your therapy room. But I think we, I mean, I think that's the problem is that we all have bad mom moments. You know, I mean, there's no, I don't know any mom who hasn't been like, I need to just put you in front of the television for a little while because I'm going crazy so you know but um I think you're totally right well that, I'm super so that's super exciting I love that you're, get, you're getting these out and then how you do you have something you're working on well yes. so I, uh I just I mean conversations are happening this week because I literally I don't know what I have the green light for yet so awesome a, okay yeah I don't so it's a very weird I know right because it's I always have I think this is the first time maybe in like three and a half years that I haven't been, cause I'm not even editing anything right now. Cause it just so happens to be, that's where my books are in production. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
It's weirdly you're unmoored. That's how I think of it. We're like, you're like a little boat. And most of the time we're on the water. It's all fine because we're like at least anchored to something, even if we move a little bit. But it is, you're out in the, the wild ocean. That's really. Yeah, like I I'm know. waiting I know that to feeling. see what's going to happen in my life in the next like I know. couple of years. Right? Decide, you know, what are you, what are you working my future? on? Um, so I wrote a book that my agent didn't like. And I oh. love my agent. So it was brutal. Called The Surrogate. Actually interesting talking about mothers. Um, and then I wrote, um, I'm writing the third book in the Hagen series, um, okay. which will come after Far Gone. And that was like, I'm okay. sort of going back to my, you know, to home and to my people to kind of get a little bit of consolation for this year and a half I spent on a book that's, and then I'm going to start the mm -hmm. story again again in a whole new way. I feel really you attached okay. to the story. I'm really attached to the story for whatever reason. And I, I don't have any real firsthand experience with surrogacy, but um, I think it's the mom, I'm interested in the mom aspect of it um the what we will do to be a mother and um you know and what it's like to carry somebody else's baby all these things really interest me Oof. um so i'm gonna go back oh, to she that. didn't like it no but actually you know it's so funny i mean i think it's like the, it's like we talked it's like you talked about i wrote a, a first draft of a book um that was very exploratory i'm all, i also don't like to send in partials of my books which is not very smart, right? Somebody should see a hundred pages and be like, you're not on the right track. So I wrote the whole thing, you know, all 400 okay. pages. <laughs> and they were like, no. And I was like, okay. So, but that's, you know, that is also part of it. And I feel like it's not fair to, to aspiring authors um, or listeners to, to not tell you that it sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just the way it goes. So. It's a brutal business. It's a I mean, brutal business. It really business. is. It's like. Totally. And that's why I'm so grateful for, you know, the people that are in it with me who can say, this was a really bad day. You know, somebody will text me and be like, did you have a bad day? I'm like, I had the worst day. So, you know, we're all, we're in this together, but, um, well, this is so exciting. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see what's going next. And I, you know, um, I hope you'll come back and visit us, but in the meantime, like if you guys have not read Lucinda Berry, you are missing out on some very amazing twisted um, behavior. That's that's, that's sort of like <laughs> twisted behavior and, and action and uh, behavior. I love it. Fast pace and darkness. You know, <laughs> darkness. I don't think you're too dark though. Listen Thank to, you. I don't, think, I don't think I'm too dark. I don't think you can be too dark. No. I mean, think I about. Know. There's so many. I we could just talk all day about all the dark stuff that's out there. That's incredible. <laughs> it's really powerful. So tell everybody. Um, where to find you? What's your, you know, do you, website? Are you on social media? So, yeah, all basically uh, all my handles on social media are Lucinda Berry author. So that's super easy. Yeah. And then Amazon, like go to Amazon. That's where uh, you can find all of my books. All of my and books. you can follow her so you can find out. I love the follow me on the follow thing on Amazon because then they yes. send you emails when your people are uh, on sale and coming up and you can pre-order and everything. So, yes. well, this and is going to be usually on sale all the time. I know. I actually, good. Amazon does a good job of that. They um, do a good job of like, sale, don't like, forget you haven't read yeah. this one yet. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course. This has been Killer Women with your host, Danielle Gerard, and my guest, Lucinda Berry. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.